have like a couple more little bites of rolls, but we can wait. I will eat that later. <laughs> when you say I'll eat that later, you mean on the podcast. <laughs> when I just said don't well, eat on the podcast. <laughs> we'll take like a break. We'll take like a, okay. Wait, wait, we're minutes. taking, we're Go taking potty. a break. Are we taking breaks now? I didn't know this. <laughs> We'll take like a five, uh, like a three minute. Wait, puppy. are you? Chelsea is pregnant now, so she's gonna call timeouts during the podcast. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm gonna do. California, California, here we go. Keeping up with the Coens. An OC Rewatch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the OC, baby. It's Keeping oh. Up with the Coens, episode four, Air Horns. Chelsea, do it. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, wonderful. I did not miss that sound. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for coming back to Newport Beach with us on this f- final journey uh, through the OC this is episode one of season four. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you all the way from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and down the street from me. Still a dad, still thriving. I feel like sleeping less than before, which is already not a lot. <laughs> it's Daddy Dylan Irwin. You know what? I'm so excited to be back. Um, a lot has happened. I, I, I listened back um, to our bonus episode that we released uh, last time to make sure that I was caught up on all the podcast lore. I was, I was going to say, I don't think we have recorded a podcast since you've had a child, which feels like forever ago. No, we uh, so the we recorded that episode. It was released on a Monday, and then on Thursday, uh, the baby arrived. Miss Eloise became a being uh, with a social security number. So that's surreal. Dang. Um, but it's cool to be here. I'm interested to see... Um, if 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 Ryan dislikes me as much or less than um, he did in previous seasons, because yeah, you're probably it's probably just gonna. Be I like I dislike you more because I can tell when you're I can tell you're in dad mode when you're just like you're just <laughs> texting photos of your daughter all the time, and you're and it could be all it could be any hours of the day. There could be the middle of a day on a Sunday, and we're talking about normal Sunday stuff. You're like, hey, look at my daughter. I'm like Dylan hasn't slept. I can tell he's all just I'm gonna say. I will stop. I will stop sending those photos when you guys stop liking them. I didn't say stop doing it. I like that you do it. I also like <laughs> knowing that you're miserable while you do it. Eloise <laughs> is a really cute baby also, so that helps. Yeah, mm-hmm. She she looks she looks exactly like her mother. Um, and, Which is great. Uh, great and we are her. so lucky. We are so lucky that she does. Uh, well, that other voice you heard. Speaking of, of parents... <laughs> <laughs> we've called her we've referred to her as the pod mom throughout the series throughout the the course of this series and it turns out she's about to be more than just the pod mom she's about to be the god mom i don't know where i was going with that it's chelsea trinidad <laughs> oh my god chelsea gosh. trinidad aka our mary magdalene <laughs> hello chelsea <laughs> hello um yeah that i brought Ryan, it home i am just Ryan just really tried and failed to announce that um, I am pregnant now. Yay. Yes. Okay. Well, I have uh, twin boys on the way. Uh, That's going to be pretty crazy. Um, Me and my husband, um, we did IVF. So these these twins are uh, brought to you by science. Um, actually, would would love to talk to anyone about that process. I was going to say, I bet we're about to cover a season of Chris Pratt. I think he's very into science, right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, um, you know, pod listeners, if any of you guys have like questions about the process or anything, I'm happy to answer. Really open about everything. Um, it's been great for us. We were really, really lucky that the uh, first uh, transfer took. Um, obviously, we uh, put two in there, hopeful that one of them would take. If not both, then they both did. So, Heck yeah. you know, buy one, get one free special. <laughs> I think I truly think that the craziest thing about you being pregnant with twins is that in approximately 16 years, they're going to become best friends with Caitlin Cooper. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I need to watch out for uh, vixens in bikinis. <laughs> I hope that your kids are as cool as the ward the ward kids in season four of the oc that was such a fun surprise yeah i looked up i looked up those actors one of them the guy with the curly hair became like a became like a hollywood like stuntman or something That's so and then cool. the other guy like the more traditionally handsome guy i would say he he only ever had the oc that's it that's it he's just like a hot I librarian up, now yeah i looked him up and his like what well, i think his imdb said he's primarily known as for his role on the oc because it's the only role he ever had oh Ooh. speaking of weird oc trivia oh um, here we go you, so okay melinda listen up yeah <laughs> Cold hey, out. Melinda, we love you <laughs> favorite character hands down um anyways uh so chili from last season, who we found out uh, murdered his neighbor. Wait, are you going to say, are you itself? about to relay the information that we already played on a voicemail? No, okay. this, is, this is new. Uh, did you guys know that Katy Perry dated him for a time? What? Oh, yeah, no, I did know that. I knew that when she I, was like in her warp Tour phase, right? Is he uh, the teenage yeah, uh, dream? No, allegedly he's the one that got away, and that's who that song was about. Oh, my gosh. He did get away. He got away from all of us. <laughs> um, shout out to Chili. <laughs> Shout out to death. Um, oh, my gosh. But yeah, it is, okay. it mazel tov to you, Chelsea. I'm, I'm excited that you, our family has grown by three now by the time the series is over. Yeah, we've doubled in numbers. That's insane. Those two, your your kids can all host a podcast together about rewatching whatever show's on now in 15 Euphoria. Years. They're going to start the oh. Euphoria podcast. Well, and how cute, because it'll be two boys and a girl just like us. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like us. I have no <laughs> children on the way, by the way. So. <laughs> No, no I, I want Ryan to host the podcast with our children. <laughs> I love that idea. I actually would be down for that. Let's do that. That'd be like if they rebooted the OC and still had still had Ben McKenzie play Ryan Atwood still. <laughs> like, but like young Ryan Atwood. Okay. I'm not even ready to start processing the fact that we only have like eight episodes to record this season and then we're done forever. So let's save that for a different for a different pod. I, I do cried. I know. I do want to talk about season four a little bit, like more big picture for just a second, because I mm -hmm. as you guys know, I fucking love season four of the OC. And it's so it's so weird to me. Like this season is so strange, just in the sense that like most people forgot it was even on. Most people who like the OC just quit watching after Marissa died. I think Dylan is included in that group. Yep. And so this season, it was just kind of like almost like a zombie season. And I'm so just intrigued. I can't wait for the Melinda Rachel Bilson podcast to get to season four because I am so intrigued to learn like what was going on behind the scenes for season four of this show because it's a very different I show. I am too. It's a very I different mean, show. I, I want to know just like what, what even they were thinking because on Seinfeld season nine, you can tell that they knew it was their victory lap. So they just had the most ridiculous storylines, but you could tell that every single actor in it was really, really enjoying it. 
Like, no one was like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. You can tell that they were cracking up inside. They were having the time of their life. You know, they were getting paid like a million bucks an episode. Of course they were. Um, so I'm excited to get to that with uh, Melinda and uh, Rachel also. I've always just been very intrigued by this season. And I I think I'm, I think most people who have watched this season just kind of think of it as like a throwaway. Like, eh, whatever, that was weird. I fucking love this season, and I can't wait to talk about it. I, this is the reason that I held on for seasons two and three, was just so we could get to season four. And I especially love that Dylan has not seen it. Oh, I was going to say, it's absurdist in, in the best way. It really mm-hmm. is. It really is. And I want you all to know two things. One, I have been staring on my Apple TV at that, like, picture of Summer, like, with the phone talking to Che for, mm-hmm. like, the last three months. And it's driven me insane. And I have resisted the urge. Like, I had a lot of time, guys, where I was just not sleeping and sitting around. Perfect OC watching time. And I resisted the urge. I didn't go to episode three. I'm trying to take this one bite at a time. And I'm really excited um, because I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. I'm scared. Um, I'm a little bit thirsty. It's going to be a great time. I love it. And in particular, the first two episodes of this season are weird and dark. And very unlike the rest of the season. Yeah. I have so many thoughts just about I can't just about how much I can't wait for you to experience the stupid crazy shit that they pack into season four. <laughs> it's a whole season of Chris Pratt. Uh there's Chris, we get Chris Pratt, Chris Brown, and Kevin Sorbo featured heavily throughout season four. Oh. We've got a whole season of Taylor Townsend and Caitlin Cooper, who are my two favorite characters of this season by yeah. far so they get to shine for the entire season and honestly one thing i really thought about when i was watching these few episodes was that one seth is kind of relegated almost to like a, a more almost like a background character like he doesn't have a lot of like front front page storylines happening in this season mm-hmm. he has one kind of big moment that happens but other than that he doesn't have a lot going on this season and i will say though he this is by far his best season as far as him being yeah. not shitty. Like he's yeah. like a generally pretty good dude in this season. So that's going to be um, hard for me to wrestle with, but <laughs> shall we get into it? Shall we get into season four of the OC? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We begin with season four, episode one, the Avengers. The Avengers features Sandy Cohen on screen for eight minutes and 44 seconds. Dylan, Avenge me. Do you know what I was doing on November 2nd, 2006? Not watching this. not watching this episode, but (laughs) 3.39 million people were. Yikes. Yeah, let's talk Um, about that. That's bad, right? That's That's really bad. That's a big drop, guys. We were at like 8 million for the season 3 finale, right? Yes. So we've lost literally half the audience. Well, you know. Not unlike uh, this podcast. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the goal. And I think... Before we get too deep into this, I want Chelsea to make one of her patented predictions. I say patented because she's done it one other time, I think. (laughs) So last season, the beginning of last season, I think you said that because that was the worst season of the OC, it might be the best season of the podcast. Mm. How do you feel about season four? Do you think we are going to soar like eagles or are we going to soar like eagles or are we going to soar like the Hindenburg? No, this is going to be great because, um, you know, we know that this is the last one of this of the series, so we're all going to really enjoy it. We have our chemistry and our timing down, even though today has been rough because we took a bit of a uh, break. Um, and then also there's so many different ways that we can go with just commentary on this because it is all new to Dylan and it is such a 
change up in the previous formats. And we have pregnant Chelsea this year. Oh my gosh. You guys thought I was spacey before. Like pregnancy brain is such a weird, a real real. thing. It's real. Chelsea, that's Um, COVID. You have COVID, not pregnant. (laughs) I I shut my dog in the pantry on accident (laughs) there for like two hours. Is your dog still in the pantry? Is he still there? No, he's he's not in there anymore, (laughs) thank goodness. But um, there was lots of food in there. He would have been fine. He's in the refrigerator now. That's fine. Yeah, he's, there's uh, lo- there's lots of food in there. He'd be fine. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those situations where I'll be like, "Where's my phone?" And I'll I'll be holding my phone it. and I'll I'll in like try to call my phone to find my phone. Like it's it's insane. This pregnancy brain is not agreeing with me. Just, you think the dog would know to open like a box of cereal if it, needed to, if it was starving in your pantry? They don't have thumbs. They this can't is getting, open cheese. This is getting into like yellow jackets territory. It's like are they going to eat that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, eat my the dog's other dogs smart. Are oh, he's, um, he's eaten lots of things through the plastic bag before, so it wouldn't surprise me if they figured out how to get into a cereal box. Brief, very brief yellow jackets comment. I binged mm-hmm. it in 2 days. I took the test oh did which you really ye- yeah which yellow jackets k- uh-huh. girl are you i took that and as well wh- okay what girl are you ryan Taisa. okay nice mm-hmm. do you want to guess which girl i am uh you are either misty <laughs> <laughs> or uh the main girl uh uh i can't remember her name now this is how i get you <laughs> because i was lottie oh i like lottie yeah yeah, you, I you, can't wait. Um, okay, cool. So um, we talked about this a little. I, I guess we'll just go right into the cold intro. Um, Time out. Did know, I this- tell you all this was written by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage? No. Because that really matters. It does okay. actually kind of matter knowing like, yeah. how bad the season was. In a two writers, <laughs> two writers, one cup. Chelsea, I apologize. It's all you. Oh, no worries. Um, so in the cold intro, we're kind of shown Ryan is living somewhere that is definitely not the pool house. Mm-hmm. Um. Sandy swings by this very seedy venue to talk to Ryan and is unsuccessful um, as Ryan sneaks out the back to evade Sandy. Mm. Um, Meanwhile, Julie is depressed and on some kind of multiple medications. And then they weirdly also show show Caitlin experimenting with these like dominatrix boots. I don't know, they're really hardcore. Yeah. Um, But the cold intro kind of ends with uh, Ryan and Julie secretly meeting in the night. At the and Mermaid was, um, Inn, yeah. yeah, at the, the at the inn. And this was so, this, this was set to the placebo cover of Running Up That Hill, right? Does it start playing it right at the beginning? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the song that kind of loops throughout the whole episode. Not the music moment of the episode, but uh, <laughs> great. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit, but like Dylan, what was your initial thoughts on like, oh my god, is this is right the right TV show? It you know it was almost reminiscent of. In the pilot episode, whenever yeah. Ryan and Trey steal the car and how it just looks totally different. Like, yeah, what, what it, were your thoughts? Okay, so uh, first of all, I think it's pretty stellar that Marissa is still somehow controlling Ryan from beyond the grave. Um, I love that element. Um, my notes, though, We don't say, get to make Marissa lives outside jokes. We just, we, she died outside, but she, she doesn't live outside anymore. She died at home. That's what, all, that's what we all want. Um <laughs> Don't worry, I'll find a way to work it in. It's in my notes. So my my notes legitimately say, and I'm worried that this is what it's going to be like most of the season because all this is so insane. Julie Pills, all caps, exclamation point. Mm. Caitlin in a Little Miss Vixen costume, question mark. Mm. The Little Mermaid with Julie, WTF. So I was clearly going through something emotionally um, during this first kind of, this this first 
kind of scene. I like whenever the OC does this, and usually they don't do this until like the end of an episode when they're wrapping up kind of what characters you're doing. Um, but I like they did it at the beginning to kind of establish like this is where we are, this is what's going on, this is the aftermath. As Summer says in a later episode, this is what it looks like for everyone else not moving on as well as she did. Um, so I really liked how they set it up, and I really, really like this kind of Tarantino uh, timeline storytelling where it kind of gives you the end and then takes you back like, what, 36 hours before mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that um, because we're kind of left as viewers with a, so he's totally going to bone Julie, right? And that's exactly what wait. I think they wanted mm-hmm. you to think because that's yeah. what happens at the Mermaid Inn, right? Especially with yeah. Julie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the next scene kind of moves on and we get a ton of I said a waterfall of exposition from Seth Ooh. Uh, he's leaving um, Summer a voicemail and kind of mm-hmm. just talks about his life at home uh, five months have passed he's working at the comic book shop and he seems to kind of be I think he's kind of handling it pretty well you know accepting that Summer's away at college and he's kind of having like a um, what do they call that a a um, gap year I mm-hmm. guess yeah like a gap um, semester you guys having a gap semester. He's working at the comic book shop. Um, he's hanging out with his mom in the Noopsies. And I, for one, was very excited to see that our girl Taryn is back. Oh, oh yeah, one of the back. great dry wits. <laughs> also, you kind of like, you said he's working at the comic book shop. But I don't think we knew. We, there wasn't a comic book shop before, right? Like, I feel, I feel like they built they built this whole kind of set piece where the comic book shop is. And they use it a lot in this season. It's like a mall almost. And it gets mm-hmm. used a lot this season. Kind of like the bait shop or the crab shack. Yeah, or that uh, lifeguard hut that Marissa liked to hang out at. <laughs> yeah, they burn that down in honor of her. Um, the other things he's filling uh, Summer in on on this voicemail, um, Caitlin is besties with Luke's twin brothers, mm-hmm. and they all seem like they're just up to no good teenage renegade stuff, which I love. Oh, boy. And apparently our girl Taylor is in Paris living her best life. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Um, also, just want to say so shout I'm, out to Brad and Eric. Incredible. They don't get a ton of screen time this season, but they're such a great like addition. When you they guys, are. When you guys – so I had, a, I had a theory, and this is kind of my never-seen-this-before theory. So when I saw those pictures of Taylor, I was like, okay, either that's the worst Photoshop that a studio has ever done or she's not actually in Paris. Ah. So – Take that for what it's worth. Now, I want to know what y'all thought about Seth. Do you guys think he's coping pretty well? Like, because to, to me, I'm like, his best friend Ryan, who he has skipped town on before because he left, is gone. And so is Summer. I think all things considered, he's handling it pretty awesome. No, I agree. And I feel like something I've said over and over again throughout the course of this show is that that wheel keeps on turning and eventually someone gets their moment to be, like, good and normal and stable and me not hate them. And it's finally Seth's turn in season four. <laughs> I think it's Seth's first time to be that guy. Yeah, no, he, yeah. he he does a great job at just kind of holding it together. Like I said, he doesn't have a lot. Like he has one big kind of moment, I feel like, this season, like one big storyline that happens in this season. But other than that, he's just kind of around. And then I feel like that's what they wanted to portray here by showing him around the Noopsies and around Dr. Roberts or around whomever. He's just kind of there. And I feel like he fills that role very well. Mm-hmm. I just I just really want his job. Meanwhile, Summer is at Brown and has a new awesome friend named Che, as well as some new hobbies. Um, she has just buried herself in these new causes, and she's definitely avoiding Seth. 
Che's outfit, which by the way, I just want to point out, it's pretty perfect. The woven orange poncho-esque jacket and the beret. Mm. Uh, I'm interested in Che already. I'm thinking he's hilarious. He plays the didgeridoo. didgeridoo. They have uh, music circles. I'm here for it. What I want to know from you guys is... um, do we think that Summer's new interest in activism, um, how much of that was like an innate interest versus how much of that is her burying her pain over Marissa? Ooh. Hang on. Speaking of burying, you're burying the lead. This is like the, this was our introduction to Chris Pratt in my life was this moment. Yeah. I don't remember seeing him in anything before this either. What about no, you? No, this, like, this was my Dylan? intro to Chris Pratt and I remember hating Che. I, I did not like him. I When I, I watched him. this for the first time, I did not like him. And I always thought, and I still watching this episode, thinking back on what I thought then, he just looks like he would smell really bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's one of the, he's one of those guys that doesn't wear deodorant because he's he's afraid that the, all the aluminum will somehow hurt him or hurt the environment. I sent a text to you all, and I stand by it. Like I hate Che. He makes me want to drink nothing but bottles of water out of plastic bottles with a straw (laughs) and then not recycle them. I did think this was funny, though. The subtitles are just out of control this season. They don't match up at all. And multiple times they called him Chafe, which is exactly what he's doing (laughs) to my enjoyment of this show. Um, I thought it was really, really intense, speaking of his outfit, that his name is Che. And he's wearing a shirt with Che on it. That's like me wearing a Bob Dylan shirt. Like, if Ryan saw me doing that, he would say, dude, what is what is this? What are you doing? That's what I'm no, saying there, to Che. Che is my Dylan. That is so funny because I remember during the Grammys like five or six years ago, Dylan, you just going berserk and being like, I quit because Katy Perry was singing the song Dark Horse and then yes. the literal Dark Horse. And the like, Dark Horse came out. Why do I feel like I've heard this story before, Chelsea? It's a mainstay. It's a mainstay on the pod. I, Listeners love it. I know. I think it was like one of my favorite like Twitter freakouts that anyone's ever had was Dylan being like, I'm not meant for this world. It's, well, it's, it's, this era is not for me. It's just simply because when something is so ham-fisted, like, don't. It's like the song it was called Dark Horse and a giant, like, paper mache Dark Horse was there. Same thing with Che. Okay, I get it. Your name is Che and you're a revolutionary. What kind of shirt are you going to wear? I don't know. Maybe one with Che, who was a revolutionary. The end. And, and he was wearing a beret also. But no, I want to go back to what you asked, Chelsea. I didn't mean to, like, completely derail you. Um, I don't like Che. I feel like the show's presenting him to us as if we should like him, I think. And I never did. And I especially remember thinking as a as a teenager at the time who was very into Rachel Bilson, I remember thinking, like, I can't believe that they are even remotely setting up something romantic with her and this guy. You know what I mean? Even though they never really do, just the idea that it could be planted in people's heads was blowing my mind. Um, but to your point, Chelsea, clearly Summer is just running away from her trauma and just throwing herself into a ton of other causes that I don't think she really cares about. Agreed. See, I had a totally different take on Che. I really liked him. And and I remember he was in the first couple episodes. And I was thinking to myself, like, okay, obviously they're going to get Summer back to Newport full time. And I was like, and I'm kind of bummed to not see Che anymore. I think because, okay, this was old Chris Pratt before anyone knew that, like, oh, he's going to work out and kind of become a hot guy. Um, and annoying as fuck hot guy. I mean, I just think that, like, Che was kind of reminiscent of, like, oh, he's like a comfort food type person that, He's Summer a comfort can hang dude. around and not. 
You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't... He's not threatening. She... Yeah. Yeah, he's totally non-threatening. She felt safe with him. She wasn't worried about him trying to, like, hit on her. You know, she could sleep outside under the tree with them. But don't forget who the most non-threatening person is in in that type of situation is Seth Cohen, and she fell for him. She has a thing for comfort dudes. But we talked about... But we talked about it before, is because they were trying to be like, oh, Seth is, like, a dork. But Seth was more conventionally handsome than Ryan was. Hmm. I don't know uh, that. Uh, young Russell Crowe. So? Young Russell Crowe. No, I think okay, Ben McKenzie is incredibly handsome. I mean, ben McKenzie is definitely hot. But they were trying to present Seth as like, oh, like other girls won't think that he's hot. But like he was, he was a very hot. Like, no, he Seth, was a hot guy. Seth became, sure. no, no, for sure. Adam Brody became kind of like the, the other leading man, like the mm-hmm. other like hot guy of the show. Ben McKenzie had weird hair throughout the whole thing. That's season four, fault. That's makeup. Season four, Ben McKenzie is hot. Yeah. He did not master his hair until this season. It's true. This is the season that Ryan understood how to do his hair. Finally. Yeah. True. Um, but, uh, so yeah, in- interesting route with Summer, and I personally was excited about Che. I don't know about you guys, but I thought he was going to be a fun character, I think, and I'm glad I that I think we... that this was, it took it one too far. Che is like one, like, we've replaced Marissa with like five new characters, and I felt like Che was like one yeah. too many. He's an overcorrection. Um, I will say the Che uh, in the Christmas episode, which upcoming, the alternate universe episode, that version of Che is fucking incredible, and maybe my favorite character <laughs> of all time. I'm, we'll exci- I'm excited now. Um, so now let's move on to Julie, Dr. Roberts, and Caitlin's uh, family unit. Um, Julie, too, has tried to bury her sorrows in some new hobbies. And when she's not completely immersed in those new hobbies, she's completely catatonic. Ooh, yeah, that um, was sad. Uh, that, was, that was a really deep, like a deep dig, how he referred to her as catatonic in bed. I feel like that's not something you should ever say to someone. Agreed. Well... What is what what also struck me is that he kind of makes a dig at her for that, but I'm like the only characteristic we knew about the step monster was that she was popping pills and being out of it. Like that's the only thing that Summer ever described about her. He has so a type. I thought that that was kind of weird. Um Yeah, so clearly her and Dr. Roberts have grown apart and Caitlin is clearly being ignored. Um so you know, yet again, same issues. Caitlin, being Caitlin, is up to no good with the twins. They're at the uh, shopping center where the comic book is, and apparently at some other stores, smoking weed. And um, she actually spots Dr. Roberts with another woman. And the twins recognize her immediately as a step monster. So mm-hmm. there's one really important thing. Not only is she smoking weed, but she's doing it while she's making the twins do her chemistry homework. <laughs> it's big girl boss energy. I really, really like that. No, so Caitlin treats those twins the kind of the same way that Summer is treating Che. Like, they're kind of just like a security blanket Touché. friend. Yeah, comfort dudes. But also just, to, I, I kind of almost needed the refresher of, like, we have to remember that Dr. Roberts is Summer's dad. And the step monster was her stepmom through the first three seasons of the show. And now they're alluding to the fact that he might be cheating on Julie with his ex-wife. Man. Um, so Caitlin takes to blackmailing Dr. Roberts and is like, well, I'll keep it a secret as long as you buy me these weird dominatrix boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, like, okay. Um, but later on in the episode, Dr. Roberts goes to confess to Julie about um, him seeing the step monster. And he kind of starts by saying, like, oh, it just started out as, you know, us talking and he starts to elaborate, but then he realizes that Julie is completely spaced out and can't even hear him. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of stop. He kind of stops the conversation there. And I don't think it's even him trying to like lie or hide it. 
I think it more is indicating that, like, it, it, this is a hard situation. He's not heartless. He's not mm-hmm. vengeful. Um, he w- obviously was feeling lonely and dealing with, you know, grief and understanding that Julie is dealing with an impossible amount of grief. I disagree um, with a lot of this. You do? I well, think he's just, you, he's, he's, he's just that? a horny dude that, like, he is so quick to be, like, tell Julie, basically tells her to get over it, essentially. Get, get over your dead daughter. It's only been five months. He, I've never well, liked Dr. Roberts. I've said so on this podcast before. I'm not a fan of him, and I just think that he, it's not necessarily him, it's the writing for him, I think, is particularly bad. But, like, his role I think they here, could have done a better job writing him, for sure. His his role here is like, well, my uh, they're they're not married, right? They're fiance or are they married? Him and Julie. They're engaged. My yeah. fiance lost her daughter, so I'm just gonna tell her to talk to me about it. Then when she does it, I'm gonna go cheat on her. It's like, all right, that's kind of shitty, but okay. Yeah. Well, I think five months was a little bit fast for sure. Um, but <laughs> I I don't know. I like. Also, and I don't mean to spoil, but it's like, you know, later he, you know, lets her keep the house and stuff. Mm. So I think that they were (sighs) trying to get across that, like, her and Dr. Roberts were a victim of circumstance, not because, like, one of them was sinister or anything like that. You know what I mean? I feel like what we're really doing right now is we're dancing around the very important point about about Doc Ock in this episode specifically. Um, And that's he had the outfit of the episode uh, with his headband and the workout. You don't get to decide that. That's Chelsea's decision. uh, I'm deciding it now. Um, I'm taking. I I will say. I never know where to put the air horn. It's Chelsea's decision. Well, no. Oh no no no! Well, I actually like that because I didn't have an outfit of the episode. I had (laughs) God, Chelsea, do you have vindicated? Accessories, but uh, there was no notable outfit other than Che's. But really, the most notable thing about Che's outfits, I really liked his beret. I really liked Doc, Doc Ock's headband, and I really, really liked Caitlyn's boots. Those were all important parts of the show. Also, most importantly, the most uh, the most important thing in this episode is do not use a uh, an a, a, a row an incline row machine like that. Um, it's not a rower. That's not what you do. The next thing we're going to cover is Ryan and the Coens. Um, mm-hmm. So Kirsten's obviously missing Ryan a lot. Um, and as we've commented on in previous episodes of this podcast, is like her and Ryan were really able to connect in a way emotionally that was absent from how her and Seth really bonded. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth tries uh, to get Ryan to come to family dinner and he doesn't show up. So, you know, Sandy's like, I'm going to go look for him. And Seth is like, no, 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 let me go do it. And he goes out and finds that Ryan has apparently joined Fight Club. What, what is what is the deal oh, with yeah, Ryan I was just being a tool now is, is my first big question. That's actually a great question. Also, is he just yeah. living in a bar? Is he live at the bar? I It's like a closet. It has a shelf. It has a sink, I guess. I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of bars that just are able to be habitable. Like, did this place have a shower? I, I don't know, but is this but is this cage fighting also happening at the same bar? I think it is, right? Or next door or something. I it's it's I have a lot of questions about Ryan's living situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he goes full on Tyler Durden. Like the whoever's arranging this cage fight is like, "Oh, you can fight that guy." And they were about the same size, and he was like, "Nope." And he finds the biggest guy in there. Mm-hmm. And he's getting beat up. He's getting walloped, and he's like smiling <laughs> throughout. It's so Fight Club. Big Joker energy. I guess yeah. the the point of the scene is to be like Ryan's so in pain, he just needs to feel pain. It's a good juxtaposition when you look at kind of how Summer's dealing with it versus how Ryan's dealing with it. 
And God, which, I wish they would fly. I wish they would have switched those. <laughs> oh my God! Oh yeah. God! The rage blackout fighting. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting because, like, clearly he's like self-flagellating and it's flagellating. Is that how you say it? Yep, flagellation. Oh, I thought it was flagellation. Um, if you do it with a friend, it's mutual flagellation. <laughs> also, if they had switched, I thought at first I was like, "It'd be funny if Summer like joined a Fight Club." It's way funnier to think of Ryan as like an environmentalist. <laughs> <laughs> It's the headcanon now. Yeah. Um, well, what I thought was interesting about this is that last season was so much about, like, Ryan learning to channel his violent urges into, like, oh, I have a punching bag in my room now and trying to, like, learn better ways. And then he just kind of goes full on into this. Like, where do we think Ryan's headspace is at right now? I, I think it's less about... And this is, I mean, uh, well, it's probably not true. It's not just about Marissa dying. I think it's also a lot of it is about Fulchek being the one who killed her and getting away and him yeah. feeling responsible for that. That makes sense. Um, what did you guys I, think I, about yeah. Seth's reaction? Because I thought that was so heartbreaking. Like, well acted by Adam Brody. Like, he looked so sad. This, were you talking about the scene where they, he's talking to him outside the cage? No, whenever he walks and he discovers what Ryan's doing and, like, basically Ryan's in his mangled face gets thrown, like, right by where Seth is standing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. But they, but back to Dylan's point a minute ago about why Ryan is, like, a douchebag now. He really yeah. is. And there's I that don't scene get it. of them talking outside the cage where Ryan, like, ch- almost threatens him and, like, shoves him. And I was like, all right. Yeah, he I shoves don't him. Stop making me like Seth more by doing this. <laughs> I, I just figured the only reason he got mad and shoved him was because Seth spoiled the ending for Fight Club. Okay, tell him. Wow. I thought that was I'm really back, weird and out of character, too. I mean, I guess they're trying to establish that this is now who the character is. He's just, like, an angry guy that wants to fight people. But, like, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about the second episode in a minute, obviously. But that episode ends with him and, like, closing the curtains on Seth at the pool house. And I was like, that's such a drastic change from, like, I'm... But I'm bare knuckle cage fighting in a bar and I'm shoving you versus I'm in a million dollar pool house and I'm just going to shove <laughs> these blinds in your face now. Like, I was like, which one of these are you, you know? I thought him touching Seth was really weird and out of character. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. do that. Anyways, uh, Seth ends up making this con- So Summer, of course, in her adorably forceful way, gets Ryan to come up to the comic book uh to the comic book shop and they play him the slideshow and Seth basically makes this new comic book with new characters for Kirsten and Sandy mm. and shows Ryan um, how he changed all of them for the better, uh, which I thought was a wonderful t- uh, idea and so moving um, in his comic book. Like we all kind of knew Seth's whole shtick before Ryan arrived, but they described Kirsten as being kind of an ice queen who was only obsessed with work. And as Sandy is being too consumed with the DA stuff to notice what was going on at home. So, like, I thought it was a really Yikes. great scene and really moving. But at the same time, like, are those things necessarily true? Like, okay, what did you guys think? I, I have thoughts um, about this whole sequence. First thing, subtitle watch. Um, I think that the line is, all you have to do is watch. But the subtitles say, all you have to do is read which was an interesting and bizarre change. Now, the slideshow, the comic book thing, maybe it's just because I'm watching this for the first time as a 33-year-old in 2022, but I didn't like it. I thought it was too gimmicky. I think that if you want someone to do something, there's an easier and less time-consuming way that you can do it, and um, I, I, I didn't love it. I did see, like I understood 
how it connected back to earlier in the episode whenever uh, Kirsten was talking about throwing some comic books into the care package. And um, they were like, well, he did, shouldn't get anything too violent, maybe some Archie and Veronica. Um, but, I mean, I feel like it was almost like an inter, like intervention level, like Kirsten's intervention. And then they did that whole Cohen thing where it's like, well, there's the information. Do with it what you need to do. So it was like a mixture of the intervention and Seth in Portland. Um, but again, mm-hmm. that ham fist is coming back to punch us again. Um, and it punched me right in the face. I didn't hate it as much as Dylan did. I thought it was, <laughs> I mean, I, I was just thinking that like, oh, remember that Seth made this whole comic book, Atomic County, and then that storyline went basically nowhere. <laughs> once it just kind of, once Zach left, it just disappeared. And so I was like, oh, this is a kind of a cool way to be like, hey, remember Seth's a good artist and can draw comics and can write and here's what he did for this. And it kind of worked, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so the episode ends... Um, Summer goes back kind of abruptly, signifying, um, obviously, there's a little bit of tension between her and Seth. Or I would say maybe less tension and more just distance. Um, Also, another, like, you know, small storyline is that while Summer is home, she discovers that Taylor is not in France, where we thought she all was. Uh Uh-oh, everyone. Where we all thought she was. Oh, my God, Ryan, you're going to hate editing this, because I just cannot speak anymore, apparently. Um... Uh oh, everyone. So, <laughs> in- interesting teaser about what's to come with Taylor. Um, Sandy ends up convincing Ryan to come back home and live in the pool house where he belongs. Um, and then also we get the call back to the first scene with Ryan and Julie kind of meeting, and um, you know she tells him that she has a private investigator and knows where Volchek is. And what I thought was really interesting is that he seems very resolute about actually taking action, whereas before mm-hmm. he wasn't. So to me, it just doesn't make a ton of sense that like now Ryan is taking a step towards a healthier lifestyle by moving back in with the Coens and letting them back in. But also he's like putting forth motion to, you know, go and get Volchek. So how do we like marry those two things? What do you, you forgot the part that explains all of it. What? The like the best cage part. fight. The keen cage. The keen cage fight. Okay, you guys are gonna have to. It's you're, you guys are gonna have to walk me through that one. It's three keen different cage points. Cage fight is the greatest moment in the history of television. <laughs> Ryan, I believe that off mic in our text group, Ryan said that he's been thinking about it like consistently since two thousand six. So Ryan is a band. This is by far the music moment of the episode. This is the music moment of my life. Um, keen is just one of those bands. <laughs> That Keen is a band that, like, is very popular in that, like, Grey's Anatomy, the OC, like, American Idol type of, like, we put those, we make songs that go in TV shows, basically, and (laughs) and they were featured, um, I think Walnut Tree was on one of the OC mixes, and they just had carved out a niche for themselves as being, like, the chill, kind of sad, almost, like, the British version of the fray, Mm -hmm. and um, to have... One of their songs in 2000, like 2003, 4, or 5, they were fucking killing it. They were on every show. In 2006, to have their song, A Bad Dream, which is still a song I listen to. It's on my running playlist because of this scene. It makes you think about cage fighting. You just think about, yeah, you it just does. Think about Bloody Ryan, like, smiling. like <laughs> To have this melancholy kind of not at all cage fighty song being used to score a cage fight where Ryan is beating the shit out of the guy that formerly beat the shit out of him. 
to me, that's just an all-time wonderful moment, and I think about it all the time. When I think about season four of the OC, I think about Keen Cage fight, and I also think that it ruined Keen. Like they barely did anything after two thousand six. Um, they had a huge. They had like a ten-year run where they didn't have, show up on any TV shows. I think until Ted Lasso last year. Like it's <laughs> it's just incredible how. I feel like this was a big pivot point for their career, even though only, well, three, they, even though only three million people watch this. They didn't need to because they were on so many um, Grey's Anatomy episodes that they mm-hmm. were just living off of those royalties. Oh my they gosh. kept making music. They're still making music, and I'm sure it's fine. But like, I think we've all kind of. Been I fun. I think it's now time to out myself as a uh, as a Keen head. Um, I, I, did. I like Keen. <laughs> Keen has some great songs. Yeah, I got down. I still get down with some Keen. Uh, Under the Iron Sea, Perfect Symmetry. Um, something else that happened during this wonderful music moment, um, is I think at one point, uh, does, 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 does summer or does, uh, does Caitlin see the ghost of Marissa Cooper summer? Okay. That was insane. So it's like, we have Keen is playing. We've just seen a massive cage fight. Then we see a ghost. The ghost. (laughs) This is so good. Keen Cage Fight is a fucking incredible moment in my life. I love it. And uh, yeah, no, you're right. I wonder if they had to pay Misha Barton because she was in some of the photos that Ryan burned in the dumpster thing um, or threw away in the dumpster thing. And she was also, I don't know if that was really her that they used as the ghost, but I feel like she may have gotten some, she may have gotten some, some sag money from this. But I think the whole point of that was that Ryan was fighting the same guy that beat his ass before. But now he won the fight, so now he's ready for Volchek. Well, I, my question is, do we interpret it as he's finally fighting back in, like... Ooh. No, he's like, finally strong enough to kill Gidget. <laughs> we think that that's what it was, because I feel like in his first fight, he just wasn't, like, he wasn't even trying. He was just, like, enjoying getting beat up. He was, like, All right. a sub. Joe Rogan yeah. over here with the UFC knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> This no, podcast, this podcast is not going to be taken off Spotify. I think, well, it might be just for other reasons, for Dylan-related reasons. <laughs> um, I think, for my interpretation, is that he was, he that guy was so much bigger than him, so of course he just beat the shit out of him, but now Ryan is strong enough to beat him up, so now he's ready to go kill Gidget. He's stronger than mm-hmm. yesterday. That's right. Hey, by the way, really quick fun fact. Um, I'm not going to do, first of all, I'm going to try not to do comic book minutes. Um, but you were talking about how you weren't sure if they actually used Marissa Cooper for that scene. Um, but your Hollywood term of the night or of the week is fake shimp. Do you all know what a fake shimp is? If I say yes, can we not talk about it? Nope. Uh, fake shimp <laughs> is whenever you have an actor um, who has either not able to appear or who has died and they have to use a stand in in their place. Uh, famous one is Bella Lugosi. When he died, they had a fake shimp stand in for Dracula. And so maybe this was a Marissa Cooper fake shimp. Um, that's all I'm going to say. That's what, wasn't that the whole point of um, what's her name and Queen Amidala? <laughs> yeah. That's the first one. <laughs> yeah, she was she was Amidala. Kira what Knightley. actress was that? Kira Knightley. That's yeah, right. Okay. Kira Knightley was uh, Natalie Portman's fake shimp. Yeah, in episode one. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's what that's the setup is that you can ask the question at, like, why did Ryan decide to go home to the Coens if he also is ready to go kill Gidget? I don't know the answer to that. It doesn't really make sense. 
Um, but I do feel like that's that was the whole point of Keaton Cage fight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I got for your episode one. Oh boy, Dylan, give me your thoughts. I need to know. I'm so I'm so interested. This is I. You could not have set this up for me to be more intrigued <laughs> by you and wanting to talk to you. Because normally I do not, but I'm very interested to know your thoughts. It was by design. Um, I'll tell you that much. So I I will say that this this very first episode, it felt kind of run of the mill to me, except for a couple different things. Um, The new edition of the comic book shop thing, for Mm -hmm. some reason, that was really, I love that. But then... I was almost ready to say meh about this whole episode until that keen needle drop. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it was it was like it's almost like I, I I feel like a lot of TV shows do this. I feel like a lot of the Star Wars TV shows do this especially where they kind of give you just an episode of of content and you're like, "Okay, this is whatever. This is fine." But then like the last 5 minutes are utter insanity. This oh, was like, like the, the Walking Ma- Dead. Yeah, this was like the malignant of OC episodes, and it's worth it for like the last. I sequence. can't believe that you thought it was otherwise run of the mill. Ryan lives in a bar and he cage fights. That to me is wild. But I've, we've kind of seen this similar thing in the show before. Um, the the cage fighting is pretty insane. Um, but like, let me, let me put it this way: you guys have hyped up this season so much to me, and oh I God. respect okay. you all so much. That I, I was more. expecting 42 minutes of Keen Cage fight. Oh my God, I would love 42 minutes of Keen Cage fight. <laughs> I just, that's all I want. That's all I want. I want every Cage fight to have a Keen song behind it. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I, I'm still thinking about it. I'm so excited that you finally got to watch it. That will get us into episode number two of season four The Gringos. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that, it's so celebratory. <laughs> the Gringos feature Sandy Cohen on screen for only five minutes and 11 Yikes. seconds. Dylan, tell me about the Gringos. Okay, this is really weird, and I don't know why Wikipedia included this, but so this episode aired in Canada on November 7th, 2006, aired in the U.S. on the next day, but that was still not a full week from the last episode. I don't know what's going on with scheduling on of TV at that time. Um, wait, wait, but, wait, in America or in Canada a week? Okay, so in America, November 2nd, 2006 was the Avengers, okay? okay. And then in America, it was the Gringos was November 8th. So, so that it was, was a week. So that was oh, six, six days. days. Interesting, I don't know. Switch I do Wednesdays. remember that they moved days for the season four. They moved from like Wednesdays to Thursdays, I think. That This might be when it happened. Um, 3.54 million people, though, apparently got the memo um, about, the new, about the new time. John Stevens wrote this one. Let's talk about yet another trip to Mexico. So I'm going to read you like the uh, the quick like four or five. It's like sentence, but they're very long sentence rundown that I got from the OC wiki. And then I'm going to ask you at least 10 questions about this episode. Are we Sweet. ready? Sweet. So excited. Ryan goes to Ensenada, Mexico to take revenge on Gidget. Seth tags along, refusing to allow Ryan to ruin his life by committing murder. (laughs) I want to emphasize how much the word murder is used in this episode multiple times, which to me is insane on a show like The O.C. where I know people have been shot. But like, to me, just the 
the cloud hanging over this whole episode is murder and it's crazy to me after leaving a coded note seth calls his parents informing them of what's going on meanwhile in mexico ryan tries to find gidget but fails while seth tracks him down and gives ryan false information about his whereabouts summer's trying to save a tree with che when taylor pays her a surprise visit telling her that she needs to sort things out with seth summer in denial asks taylor why she's back from france and they have an argument just before taylor leaves she adds that she got married in france now we have murder and marriage for these kids one wedding and a maybe funeral they reconcile at the providence airport as taylor is departing for newport summer tries to write a letter to seth but cannot find the words caitlin has problems at school and gets caught stealing clothes as a clothing drive at harbor she exacerbates her problems by selling the stolen clothing at a thrift store. Sandy and Kirsten go to Mexico and bring Ryan and Seth back. Sandy tells Julie he knows about her giving info to Ryan. And finally, Seth realizes that he really damaged his friendship with Ryan by betraying him to his parents. Okay, um, these questions were written today on my lunch break. We'll see if they're good. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Why? Are Ryan, Seth, and Julie all awake at 6 a.m. whenever this phone call happens between Ryan and Julie that Seth overhears? Mm. That's insane to me. The fact that they were all up and clothed and, like, living their life and Seth was on the phone to the airport by 6 a.m.? Yeah, it's really weird that they were all dressed in clothes. Is it weird that they were communicating that early? No. I think I sent you guys a text at 6 in the morning today. But for all of them <laughs> Valid, to be yeah. fully clothed, fully functional, have their makeup on, that's just very unlikely. It was also kind of fun to go back and remember a time mm-hmm. where if you picked up the phone at the wrong time, you could accidentally hear a conversation that maybe you shouldn't be <laughs> hearing or should hear. Um, yeah. Brings back some fun memories, especially uh, you know memories involving me being angry at my sister for doing that exact same thing. Um, question number two. We have a new Dean of Discipline. I don't know if you noticed this. Dean Torres. Yes! And she was in another show, wasn't she? I rec- I I needed to look her up on IMDb because I recognized her from something. I'm not sure what, but we will. She is making. She first of all, she she hits Julie with a lot of questions that are norm that I feel like are standard questions. Like, hey, you know, Caitlin's kind of fucking around at school too much. But then she hits her with some shit that I thought was very overreaching. Which was like, how's her relationship with Dr. Roberts? How's her relationship with you? How are you coping after the death of your daughter? And then she makes her go to a clothing drive. She makes Mm -hmm. her work a clothing drive. And I was like, that's just an insane thing to do. That's very much an overreach. But I guess they, I guess the point of these last two questions is like, they're writing them. They're writing these kind of crazy things just to get from point A to point B, but they're not believable. <laughs> Question number three is pretty pretty basic. Angry Nudfo chocolate love. Could you have figured it out? No. The only thing that I have to say in response to that note is person, woman, man, camera, TV. <laughs> Wait, what? Person, woman, man, camera, TV. I don't get it. What is this? I'm just making sure that you know that I can memorize a sequence of of, of phrases and i'm totally completely competent to be president you don't remember that whole donald trump thing yeah no i, was like, I, I don't think, remember yeah. that oh my god i gotta send you a clip it's the most ridiculous thing ever he it was like something where he was trying to figure out or he was trying to establish that he had good memory and good recall and he mm-hmm. goes so no, look i can be like you know person woman man camera tv <laughs> like that <laughs> I don't, that's, there were so many just crazy Trump things that happened. I think that there were so many person, woman, man, 
camera TV. I don't understand why Seth wrote wrote that note also. That was weird. It's so, one, just to leave a note on a napkin on this thing is such a weird way of telling your parents what's going on. Two, to code it that way, it was just like so bizarre, but it was good for, a, it was got some good lines out of it. Yeah, um, it was a laugh. Okay, question number four, going back to what we talked about earlier. Is Ryan fully psychotic now? Because when he threw Seth's cell phone, I was like, you are an asshole. And he just keeps threatening him. And I just feel like there are these two sides of him. One, where he is just an insufferable asshole that shoves Seth and throws his cell phone and threatens him. But then in the next scene, he's just like normal Ryan. Yeah, I'm not going to judge his journey through grief, but... I legitimately have, like, Ryan scares me truly in, in this second episode. So much so that, like, after, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, after Seth kind of pulls the old switcheroo on him and gives him the wrong address, and then he goes and talks to Volchek, my first thought was, oh, my God, Ryan is going to literally kill Seth. Kill Seth. Yeah, no, I think mm-hmm. that's within within reason to think that. Question five. Does gay dad trump slutty mom? According to Caitlin Cooper. Ooh. Oh my gosh. If if by tr- if by Trump you mean woman man is your dad accepting his sexuality uh better than worse <laughs> than or not equal what to she meant. better than less than or equal to a mother who is comfortable exploring herself sexually in a natural way as all women do even though society tells us they don't i think that um anytime someone is seeking truth they're both in the right ryan okay that's what I'm i don't say. care about that answer you, if you, you were in middle school know. if you were in middle school and you and you were going to be made fun of for either having a gay dad or having a slutty mom which would be the one you don't want well, but okay, my question is, what would they know that she was slutty in relation to? Like, my question is, do Caitlin and the twins ever talk about how her mom <laughs> fucked their brother? What's no, they the brought the, that, that's test? what they brought that's what they brought up. They said our brother slept with your mom and she said gay dad Trump's slutty mom. Okay. Well, in okay, so in if you knew exactly what was going on, I think that would be more traumatic. Ooh. But if no one if you just knew like, oh, your mom is a town pony, then that's kind of such an abstract idea. This I, is going but completely if you're in middle school. off the rails, but it's relevant to this conversation because I just had a similar conversation. Also, this is completely off topic. Skip ahead two minutes if you need to skip ahead two minutes, but this is right in Chelsea's wheelhouse. On Val, oh, I was exciting. talking to my girlfriend the other day in the midst of the Kanye breakdown on Instagram. Oh boy. And oh we were God. trying to figure out we were trying to figure out what's more potentially damaging to the kids as they get older. Is it this weird Kanye meltdown or is it Kim's sex tape? The meltdown. Really? The sex I, tape. I yeah. think it's a sex tape. I think every guy is gonna say sex tape and every girl's gonna say meltdown. Yeah, God. I well the other thing is I feel because do you remember what I, I want I want well I want to clarify, we're not saying the sex tape is bad, but in that context of you're gonna be made fun of for something and kids are mean, they're gonna make fun of you for your mom having a sex tape, right? I don't think so anymore. Oh no, they definitely like, will, Chelsea, I promise. When like, I don't know, when we were in college, like everyone would say, haha, send nudes is like a joke. But now I think that that's like yeah, a it lot was a more joke. commonplace. Like, you know, like I know even just like my fr- my friends will send their boyfriends like naughty pictures and that kind of thing. And that's never something I've ever done in my entire life. But I think it's just a lot more commonplace now than... Chelsea, there's a huge it, difference know. between I got a girl to send me nudes and I watched this guy's mom have sex. <laughs> that's a I major difference, I, know, I promise. That... 
that meltdown though is me... unparalleled. And he also, I think the most damaging thing that's ever happened to poor North is that her dad told the world that he wanted to abort her. That's pretty that bad. That trumps everything else. I will, okay, Chelsea. That literally, nothing can top that. That is the worst fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I will say something that I think kind of speaks in favor of your point. I agree mm-hmm. with Ryan that sending or having nudes, your own personal nudes get leaked is not as bad as your mom having a sex tape and that whole thing. But I think the point you're trying to get at is actually, and I swear I'll stop talking about after this, it's actually something they address in Euphoria where they talk about how for Gen Z, nudes are like currency these days. And so so this 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 idea of a sexualized culture um, is, is, is much different than it was in 2006. Because to answer Ryan's question kind of not as a serious, I'm going to really, really dig into this, Question. I think in the context of 2006, it would be worse. I think gay dad trumps slutty mom simply because as with, with all my, like with all your guy friends, I mean, everyone is always talking about that stuff. Like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to do your mom, blah, blah, blah. But at that point in time, when you're that age and when you're in that stage in development, especially as a, as a, as a guy, you put so much emphasis on masculinity and trying to show that you are you are better than or stronger than. And so I think that in 2006 bullying mindset, gay dad does trump slutty mom. Um, wow. These days, I think it's completely different. I think it's more in line with the answer that I gave at first. But 2006 was a rough time. Um, and it was Very a rough toxic. time for masculinity. Thank you for answering that question thoughtfully. I appreciate that. All right. Mm-hmm. Question number six. We are introduced in this episode in a guest starring role to Steve-O, <laughs> who I don't think in 2006 was very relevant. Like, Jackass was early 2000s, and now it's kind of back again in 2022. But I feel like yeah. in that middle area, he didn't really have a lot going on. I don't know why they decided to put him in this episode. I thought he was not great in this episode. Like, it could have been anybody, I feel like, in that role, and it would have had the same effect. Um, but I also wrote that I feel like his character was based on the unforgivable guy from that first, like, viral video from, like, two- uh, Oh, absolutely. The, um, waffle fries. Waffle fries. <laughs> Some place yeah. at the mall. Yeah, that's what Steve-O's character reminded me of. Whatever, bitch. Give me a chicken sandwich and some waffle fries. But it was an interesting time capsule to see him something know, Something that really, really made me uncomfortable about that whole scene is the knowledge that that, uh, that, that role was before Steve-O uh, got sober. And so oh, that yeah. kind of puts a whole other spin on, it on his do, character. That does put a whole other spin. Because he, I feel like Steve-O kind of had a mini renaissance in like 2010, maybe. Because I think his autobiography came out and he was, wasn't he full on vegan, full on sober, talking about that whole time period. Are you talking about uh, Steve-O, Demise and Rise, a documentary? Because that, <laughs> that came out in 2009. Um, it, it, I remember it was when I was in Salt Lake City for my internship at Goldman Sachs, like Steve-O was the man of the hour Ooh. for some reason. Just drop that in there. Boom. I know. I That was like the one, the one cool, the one big name thing I did and then never wanted to fuck with the my kids Forbes bop. company What are you talking again. about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dope. Uh, but yeah, we're introduced to Steve-O. He's a Marine, I guess. And another sidebar, is anyone watching this season of Love is Blind? No? Okay, great. There's a guy on... Not. There's a guy... First of all, it's incredible. There's a guy on there that reminds me so much of Steve-O. Um, is, 
Is Love is Blind better than um, Sexy Beasts? I mean, I watch Love is Blind. I could not. I mean, I watched Sexy Beast like one episode just to be like, wow, that's crazy. Love is Blind is a show I will actually watch every episode of. I'll watch um, it for you. You don't You don't need to do that. Do you I? got too much going on already. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're introduced to Steve-O. He's a Marine that doesn't really have a point in this. Ep- There's no point in him being in this episode. He meets Seth. They take shots. And then he says they're going to help him find their friend. And then he doesn't because Seth finds finds the guy on his own. So, or he finds Ryan on his own, too. So this is really pointless, but good for Steve-O. Um, question number seven. This is Time a scene. Out. Yeah. Jackass number two came out in 2006. Oh, did it? Yeah. So the original Jackass oh. came out in 2002. And, and there was Jack- four years before Jackass 2? Uh-huh. And then Jackass oh. number two came out in 2006. And then Jackass 3D came out I in 2010. I think two was the one that kind I think two maybe it was like kind of underwhelming. And then 3D was the one that blew up the box office and made like a billion dollars. Yeah, because two was 06. 2.5 was 2007. So... This was kind right. of right in the ozone, if you will. Okay. You know what? <laughs> the ozone. <laughs> God damn it, Dylan. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, anyway, shout out to Steve. We're cashing those checks. Um, okay, question seven. Is Sandy's plan to just... Sandy's and Kirsten are, are talking. They figure out what's going on with Seth and Ryan. And they're talking, and they're like, well... I mean, I don't know what the alternate would be. I don't know what you do in their situation. But... His plan is just like, well, he's an adult. Let's just see what happens. I was like, that's insane to me. I'm much more on Kirsten's side in that scenario where it's like, I would freak out if my two sons were in Mexico on a murder mission. And Sandy's just like, well, let's just see what happens. The Sandy Cohen laissez-faire parenting thing, it's great. I think that you have really well-adjusted good kids if you kind of have that laissez-faire approach. Um, you know, you instill the values and then you just let the values run their court. However, when it comes to murder, absolutely not, Sandy. What are you doing? Listen to Kirsten. You don't want them to make the wrong choice. And then, oops, I guess you'll just have to think about making the wrong choice when you spend the rest of your life in prison because you're guilty of felony murder, Seth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that really struck me that I enjoyed about this episode was it was kind of fun seeing Sandy and Kirsten like working together. And being on the same team, like so much of season one was them being at odds at each other because of the business. And then two, they were growing apart and Rebecca and all that shit. And then season three, Sandy was totally consumed with business and Kirsten was kind of like neglected. So it was really cool seeing them both being like having agency over them lives. They're in good places together. And it was cool. They're very yeah, in, this, so. in this episode. I think in this entire season. They're this whole season. It, I mean, this whole season, none of the conflict comes from Kirsten and Sandy fighting. So but that's kind of cool. Also, just their, just the whole, their vibe, their energy when they get to Mexico was so cool. I was like, that's, they are cool. They are cool parents. They show up mm-hmm. to fake Mexico, which I'm sure is some lot in Los Angeles. But they yeah. just look cool. And they're just like hanging out, doing Mexico things. I was like, you know what? Shout out to you guys. We're going to go back in time a little bit. Um, Clothing drive. It's Kirsten. It's Julie. They're folding clothes for the clothing drive. One, it's weird that Kirsten went to the clothing drive, right? Because her kids don't even go to this high school anymore. Yeah. Very. It's strange. The follow-up question. Did either of you before, when this, I mean, Dylan didn't even watch this episode when it came out. In 2006, did either of you know what a donkey show was? 
No, definitely not. Yes. I think, I, no, actually, I think I might have just because uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin came out and they make reference to it. And I was like, is that real? I knew, I think, because of some Borat-related wormhole that I went down. Um, was Borat out when this came out? I think Borat came out in 06. Um, okay. But before it came out, I remember seeing the trailer being just mind-blown and going back and watching all of the Ali G show. And then also, I'm pretty sure that donkey shows were mentioned in South Park, um, which was basically a religion for my friends and I uh, in junior high. God, and that high makes school. so much sense that you were a South Park guy, <laughs> dude. I'm still watching yeah. this season. Rips, um, but uh, <laughs> but yes, proudly I knew what a donkey show was. Do you hear that, Dad? Question nine. This is more of just a point. Uh, this is just more of a point on my part. Is Julie's depiction of depression? <laughs> this is a bad point. Is Julie's depiction of depression actually hashtag goals? Oh. World's dumbest cops. World's dumbest cops. Ding dongs, and then her just living it up and saying the world is an immoral toilet, and one day we'll all be flushed. I was like, you know what, Julie, I love this i love this for her so that that is julie acting how someone her age would act if this show came out in 2022 wait what emo julie i am convinced so julie cooper is supposed to be what 33 34 in this show oh she's older than that by seasons four she's probably in her late 30s at least well i think i think that she is spot on hitting how someone her age should and would view things in 2022 at least with respect the to world is an immoral toilet and one day we'll all be flushed it, yeah th- basically Great. but emo julie watching world's dumbest cops um is my hashtag 2022 uh spring kind of goal i agree um the follow-up the real question of this and was just a point it was a point i wanted to make was that my probably favorite line of this episode and it's a line another it's a thing that i've thought about a lot when i think about season four of the oc is caitlin saying to her mom you know some of us are still alive and I was oh like, yeah. Oof, yeah what a great line that yeah. was yeah oh. um question number 10 this goes back to what we said earlier i have an all caps hot gidget alert because cam gigande yeah is back in our lives. It's weird to think that he's like a part of season four of the OC. Um, but bow, 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 bow. Is this the outfit of the episode? Sure, why not? <laughs> is there, should we, out, we should sh- we be outsourcing this to Dylan for this season? No, I I just I got out of the habit pregnancy brain. The weird thing was about he, it was was Gidget wearing a shirt. Yes, he was wearing one of the shirts where the sleeves were torn off all the way mm-hmm. down to where you could see yeah. his obliques. I, it's okay, funny that you yeah. say that because that would have been my episode, outfit of the episode because my note is, dang, Gidget's been working out. He looks hotter than ever. I don't know how he did it, but he looks incredible. Yeah, he's beefy now. <laughs> he's beef boy. So we see Gidget. He is in a, a hotel room, I think, in Mexico. He had been working at a bar. Like, just the idea that he had this thing happen to Marissa and then he literally left the country and went to Mexico is wild to me that they wrote this into the OC. Mm -hmm. He went to Mexico, got a job at a bar, and got fired from that job. Seth, somehow, I I wrote that this waitress is like, um, tell me if I'm using this correctly, Dylan. This waitress is like the deus ex machina of this episode. She she is. She is. (laughs) Because she just... yeah. She just is like, oh, here's all the Do information you, really? you would like to know. Yeah. 
Yeah, she, uh, she's, she's like, did he really kill a guy or did kill a girl? Like, she just kind of appears out of nowhere. She's waitress yeah. ex machina, the magical deity that appears to resolve all unresolved plot lines. I that's actually um, true, more so than the other waitress from uh, Nevada that Ryan slept with. <laughs> so uh, this is before I was even into blind items, but I remember reading about it a lot. But uh, so Cam Gigande came off of the OC. Everyone's like, who's that hot guy? And then he very immediately booked um, Twilight and Easy A. Um, So he was really prepping to be a huge star. And everyone knows whenever you're at that kind of precipice in your career, the most strong thing you can do in that moment is date another celebrity. That's Mm -hmm. how you just get your name and your publicity up Oh, but he knocked up some random girl. Yeah, he knocked up someone random, and it was one of those blind items that had been going around, and then it was like a blind item revealed. But, I mean, I can't think of anything significant he's been in since uh, Twilight and Easy A. Can you? I mean, besides the the Gigasons the, the that's happening on our podcast? No, I cannot. I Okay, now, now the real question is, after Gidget knocked up this gal, then did he abandon that child and Logan Marshall Green swoop in and adopt this child. Is is Logan Marshall Green collecting co-star babies? It's possible. He's forming a band. I would watch that show. Um, anyway, Gidget's hot, and Seth found him. So there's this whole elaborate thing, Dylan. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know here what you thought. There's this whole elaborate scene where um, Sandy and Kirsten are in Mexico. They're looking for the kids. Ryan's looking for Gidget. Seth finds Gidget separately from Ryan. Thanks for the help of this deus wait- waitress ex machina. Um, <laughs> he tells Gidget, like, you need to let us help you. Gidget's like, fuck you. I'm hot. I'm leaving. Um, he sets Ryan up to go somewhere else, presumably so he would, so Ryan wouldn't follow Seth, I think. And Ryan goes to a location that's just an empty room. And this is where he has the the lead pipe in his sleeve. He's got the lead pipe in the sleeve of his denim jacket with his big fucking aviators on. He looks like the Unabomber. I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, and this is, first of all, I want to know what you thought about just that scene, Dylan, if you, if you were like a little tensed up, if you were, if you were into it. But also, this is where I was going to ask you, if Gidget had been in that room, do we think Ryan would have killed him? Okay, so I will answer that question first, and then I'll go into how I feel about it. I think he would have killed him. Uh, you totally. really think Ryan would have murdered Gidget? I think he would have. I think that when we when we see him there, when we see him putting the pipe in his in his hand or under his coat. I think his mind is made up. His mind is made up enough that he is like. Whenever you look, and sorry about this, whenever like in criminal law, you're looking for motive and you're looking for everything like that. A lot of stuff that goes into whether or not something is going to be murder one or murder two, obviously, is the premeditation and about the steps, Mm -hmm. the affirmative acts that were taken to get there. He's Mm -hmm. taking all of these affirmative acts and he is he's obviously angry up to the point that he kicks the door down. Now, if he would have just knocked on the door, no one answered. He walked off. I feel differently. But he he woke up as the kids say he woke up and chose violence. And I think he would have acted on that violence. (laughs) Um, Now. I guess you could say, knowing what we know about Ryan, and he if he didn't kill him, he would have at least like hospitalized him, beaten him to death. Or yeah, that's what death. that's what I think he was going there to do was to find him and just beat the shit out of him, and then call the police. And the only other reason why I think that he would probably be getting really violent is because the one person 
Like, he lied to Seth about it. He was like, hey, trust me, I'm not going to kill him. Trust me, I'm not going to do this. And then he just betrays that trust at every single turn. And so it makes me believe that he would betray that trust again. Now, as far as the scene itself goes and uh, what I thought about it, um, it's one of those scenes that, like, I, I got it, I understood it, and I went with it up to a point. The only thing that kind of threw me off was how the Sandy Kirsten thing managed to work out and the timing managed to work out. Um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're not going, we're going to give him the wrong room or the wrong location. Then Seth at that exact same time is going to go to the correct location. And then after all of that happens, suddenly we're all going to meet up in a third location that has been pre-planned. It reminded me a little bit of what happens if you think about Silva's plan in Skyfall for too long, where it's like, it just requires there to be way too much happening at the exact same moment. Um, that being said, I, I mean, I still liked it. I really did. And um, again, hats off to Seth for doing the right thing. I don't want to give him too many kudos because I feel like we've been waiting for him to do the right thing for four seasons. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so so it, it's it's like whenever you have someone who, who was hired to do a job and they want praise for doing their job. It's like, I'm not going to praise you for doing what you're supposed to do. And so, Seth, I'm not going to praise yeah. you for doing what you're supposed to do, which is keep your friend from murdering someone. The end. Chelsea, do you have any thoughts or should we move on? No, I think that Dylan just said all of the words that could be said. About <laughs> Great job, Dylan. So wait, were you were, did you expect him to be behind that door? Did you think that Ryan was about to just go beat his ass though? That's I didn't ex- I didn't expect it just simply okay. because based on the context of how much you all like this season, how much you especially how much Ryan likes this season, um knowing that if he beat the crap out of uh Gidget, that would have taken up quite a bit. Um, of this first part of the fourth season. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I, that's, I a, that was a good deductive. Well, I have a... This is why you're the lawyer. I have a, a follow-up question. This is a bonus question. Question 11. Is Cindy... Because this this uh, episode ends with uh, this confrontation between Sandy and Julie, which is like pretty pretty good. They've they both acted it very well. Julie has a line where she tells him, you know, at least all your kids are alive. But is sending Ryan on a murder mission to Mexico worse than framing him for shooting Trey? No, I don't understand this because they make this becomes a bigger plot point is that like Sandy is super mad at Julie and they are done. Um, And I think that this was less way less bad than trying to frame him for murder. Well, he's trying to make him a murderer, right? Making a murderer. Yeah. I, um... I mean... I, don't I, know. Think I think this. I think, I think killing. So I think Julie expected Ryan to kill Gidget, and I do think that that's worse than trying to tell people that he shot his brother and his brother didn't die. Right? Like, I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that yeah. uh, trying to uh. trying to frame Ryan for a crime that already took place is worse than giving and that her daughter affirmatively did yes is and knowing that she was doing it is worse yeah, okay. than setting that's him up point. for potentially doing something no that's a good point because ryan still would have to make the decision to kill gidget and he had literally nothing to do with his brother getting shot in that yeah it's, right and gidget had just murdered or you know gidget had just killed marissa also so it's like you know if we think about like outside did of we, laws just did like we ever figure that them. out dylan here's a question for you did we ever figure that out in season four did Gidget murder Marissa? Like, in the eyes of the law, would he be tried as a murderer for what happened to them? Or would it be more like manslaughter? Okay, so I have two thoughts about this. All of this is based mm-hmm. on Oklahoma law, by the way. California probably does it differently. But mm-hmm. so you have first-degree murder, which is premeditated murder. 
I don't think mm-hmm. he's guilty of first-degree murder. I think he's either guilty of second-degree murder or manslaughter. Second-degree murder can be categorized as such if you're acting in such a way that it's like uh, a malignant heart with no care to the life or safety of others. Um, I think that by driving the way he was driving and like trying to run them off the road, um, that was enough to take him to murder two or manslaughter. Now, murder two and manslaughter, the, the, the big difference between the two of those is kind of the state of mind of the perpetrator. And in this case, it's not like he accidentally, like, I don't know, dropped a cigarette and then swerved his car into them accidentally. He was purposefully and intentionally wrecking into them, trying to run them off the road. And so I think that's murder too, personally. But the foster girl could have been like, he said that he just wanted them to pull over. She he, she had a witness there, you know. That's that's true. But also, I would immediately eviscerate her by calling into question her reliability as a witness because of her character and previous uh, crimes that she has committed. Oh, wait, are you talking about uh, episode three of this season, Chelsea? Mm, no, I'm talking about um talking about whenever floater, last season. Wasn't floater, it was Floater Girl in the car with him, right? No, it wasn't no, no, Floater no. Girl, it was no, no, Heather. No. no, Heather shows up in the next episode that we're going to cover next week, and Ryan questions her about what happened with Gidget in the car that night. Oh, okay. I well, I just remember it in, yeah, yeah. no, 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 in that last scene, in, in, in this scene where he kills Marissa, mm. he goes, they need to pull over. Like, he makes it clear that his intention isn't to make them get in a wreck his intention is to get them to stop um, a, a a maligned heart i think is the phrase and mm-hmm. i think if he truly wanted them to pull over he wouldn't be ramming into them to try and get them to right. pull over because that shows a reckless disregard to the safety of others which would in turn be second degree murder or mm-hmm. manslaughter depending on how good your lawyer is and based on next week's episode synopsis it might be sandy cohen but i don't know because i haven't watched it I'm just going to say shout out to Erin Foster one more time because I love yeah. her. I love her podcast. I'm a big fan. Shout out to her. We'll talk about her next week because she does appear in next week's episode. Um, so those are my 11 questions. I do have just some quick notes about some other scenes here. So there was a lot of stuff here with Summer and Taylor that I just couldn't really find questions for. It's pretty straightforward. But Summer's yeah. lost. She's trying to write notes to Seth. She couldn't find the words. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. The music moment of the episode was that scene, The End's Not Near, It's Here by Band of Horses. Um, which is also the name of the final episode of this season, which is the final episode of this series. And a couple months ago at ACL, I saw Band of Horses play an after party at Stubbs, and they are fucking, they still got it, man. They are still so good. Uh, So shout out to Band of Horses. Taylor got married. She's married to a Frenchman that she's trying to divorce. Um, that may mm-hmm. seem kind of weird and throwaway right now, but it does come into play later in the season, Dylan, I promise. Um, Kirsten and Ryan had a really good scene where they were both, so they had to, they, they were taking two cars back from Mexico, I guess, because Sandy and Kirsten drove one and then Ryan and Seth drove one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're driving in the rain um, and and uh, Kirsten and Ryan have a really good scene there where she's talking about how she was afraid of losing both her kids. I love Ryan's car, which I have no idea how he could afford, by the way. Yeah, I couldn't remember. That's not the car his mom... The car his mom got him for graduation was the one that he wrecked, right, with Marissa? Yes. So this is just a new car. The Bronco. Yeah, this is just a new car. Mm-hmm. And finally, there were some... There were a lot of gay jokes in this episode. There was Didn't the jokes like about, it. <laughs> there was jokes about Luke's dad, and there was also jokes about uh, Seth getting a tattoo with the Marines where he's like, yeah, you're going to say it's my tattoo is gay or something. And I was like, yeah, Sandy Cohen is the one that goes, you know, he's like, it's pretty gay, isn't it? And Sandy goes, yeah, you know, I'm like, come on, dude, not you too. 
And also, <laughs> what's gay about having a girl tattooed on your arm that says Miss Vixen? Well, and that is—that's the episode. That's episode two of season four of the OC. We did it. We've made it through two full episodes. We're back. We're back in mid-season form because there's really not that many episodes this year. We are back. Yeah. I will say there is only one note that I had that did not get discussed. Okay. Um, and it involves the whole tree thing. Um, oh yeah. Jay in the tree. Oh yeah. I uh, mm-hmm. I like to think in my heart that the reason why Summer was so desperate to sleep outside was not to run from her grief. Um, to, to memorialize her, her friend Marissa. It was to memorialize Marissa. <laughs> she feels closer to her when she sleeps in her house. Maybe, yeah, that'd be a fun subplot. That's why Summer has become an environmentalist. Is she just wants to protect Marissa's house in her That's memory. exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Stop. This season's going to take on a whole new meaning now. <laughs> that's right. Gold. Uh, but yeah, that's two episodes now that we've had Chris Pratt. And boy, he does not get better. He does get better. I take it back. He gets better in the Christmas episode, but that's a different character. Anyway. I think he was a fantastic character throughout. That well, is it. Okay. Wait, go ahead, Dylan. I, I was just going to say, I- I'm curious where Chelsea thinks uh, the Pratt fall took place. Because God I think, I think, I have an actual theory. I think mm-hmm. Pratt is the man up until he spends too much time jacked. I think Pratt is the man yeah. until post Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. I think he's the man until I he mean, started dating the Schwarzenegger girl and gotten just and got really. Yeah, into it's pretty obvious what happened. He got hot and he divorced his wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, he started to reveal a lot of other problematic things about himself. Come back for Keeping Up with Chris Pratt next week on this podcast feed. <laughs> Keeping um, Up with the Schwarzenegger. So that's it for this episode of Keeping Up with the Coens. We have successfully made it through two episodes of season four. We will do uh, we'll do so faster next week. That was partially my fault. Um, but yeah, that's it. Dylan, if people want to let us know how they feel about this or about this show in general, what can they do? We have been stuck at 96 reviews, ratings and reviews. Is it still the same as it it's was before? It's still at 96. The last wow. review Yikes. is still from my little sister from March. Almost of 2021? Yes. Oh, my Not God. Not that I don't love that. Thanks, Haley. I appreciate it. But, guys, I am sitting oh, was that, here. Was that the review where she was like, Ryan's too mean to my brother? <laughs> yes. All I'm going to say is... I'm sitting here, not literally, but figuratively, with my daughter on my lap, mm-hmm. wanting to show her all of dad's podcast reviews, and every night I don't have something new to show her, she cries herself to sleep. And so, review us, please, so I can help my daughter sleep. Um, also, just please, it helps with the numbers. We still want to defeat um, Summer and Julie, um, because... <laughs> It'll happen in my heart. I will say I've been listening to that podcast more and it's good. It's I'm into their podcast now. It, it, it started off rocky for me. I think them doing it virtually and not having a lot of podcast experience was not great. But now that they're in person and they've been doing it for a while, they've, they've really they've really got some good shit going on. So good for them. Oh, dude. And that- well, Andy, you can't top their guests. Also. Yeah, true. Yeah. Th- that also reminds me, in the time, in the decades between seasons of this podcast, Spotify actually released um, a new function on their app. You can actually rate and review podcasts on Spotify now. Um, they oh. don't let you just randomly do it. You have to actually be a listener. So, like, if you, you have to listen to a few episodes before you can. I did not know that, actually. Yeah. So, if, uh, if you're more of a Spotify user, now you don't have to just jump on Apple Podcasts to give us a rating or review. Uh, leave us one on Spotify. Um, let's see if we can grow those numbers, too. But, um, again, I... Uh, 
I, 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 I'm really thankful personally to all you listeners, because the reason why the break was so long was, I mean, it was a hundred percent me. It was my fault. Um, it was. so, so thank you all so much for, for coming back, for sticking around. And I hope, uh, I hope that I personally won't let you all down. I know these two won't, but, um, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a great season and I can't wait to experience it for the very first time. Perfect. Way to land the plane. Dylan Chelsea, you have anything else you want to say? Nope. I'm ready to go to bed. Perfect. Guys. Pregnancy night, brain Chelsea. out. We'll see you next week. So <laughs> long. See you guys next Farewell. Week. Goodbye. Bye.